Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Hey, welcome. Thank you guys for being a part today. Um, we're glad to have you all here. Uh, we are uh, welcome to Grape Top Church. We're so uh, grateful for you to be a part. Um, feel free to get a donut, some coffee on y'all's way in. Um, we have been going through a series. Uh, we started a new s- series last week called Loyal Series. And we're going through the book of Ruth. And I really feel like the more that I'm going into this book, the more the more I'm finding these these really beautiful lessons that we're able to learn about loyalty and they're they're from angles and people that i didn't necessarily expect to see them from at the beginning um just just really getting into our topic today the title is i see the power i see the power and i want us to the way that we're going to go through today's lesson is we're going to define we're going to describe what loyalty is and for each thing that uh, each thing that we're going to go through, I'm going to read. Uh, I'm going to just read the scripture of what we're, where we're pulling out from, and then expound on uh, on where we're what the what the lesson is to take away. And so, starting off, our first point is loyalty is determined. Loyalty is determined. And the the powerful thing about this point is that you will fight for the people you are loyal to. You will fight for the people that you are loyal to, especially with uh, oftentimes without being asked. The, in Ruth chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, it says, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elamech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabitess, said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain, following one uh, following one in whose eyes I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Another place in Ruth chapter 3, verse 18, Boaz says to Ruth, Then uh, uh, Boaz had already talked to Ruth, and, it, and now Ruth had came back to her, uh, her mother-in-law, and her mother-in-law said to Ruth, Then she said, Wait, my daughter, until you know how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest until he has settled it today. And those are going to be the, the two, script, uh, two scriptures for this point that we're going to look at. And, and rather than going just in a consecutive format for, for today's lesson, we're going to pull, like I said, from two chapters of this book and really derive the, the essence of what we're finding loyalty to be. I really love this last thing that Boaz, uh, about Boaz that the mother-in-law references to, to Ruth. She says, The man will not rest until he has settled it today. He will not rest until he has settled it today. And what that just speaks is determination, that they're not going to stop until it's finished. And there's different things that we've been determined about in our lives before, right? Maybe it's been about um, a job. Maybe it's been about your family. Maybe it's been about pursuing a spouse. I remember when I met Lauren, I was like, I'm not, this year's not going to finish until I've married this girl. <laughs> And there's so many things that we end up becoming passionate about to where it 
breathes this determination. And loyalty can be shown in one's determination to see another person succeed. In the first verse, we, we saw that Ruth told her mother-in-law, let me go and try to find some work. So, uh, and it's almost like a peculiar thing, like why is she asking her mother-in-law to work? What we're seeing is the scenario of, remember, we just learned that Naomi and Ruth uh, all of their, their husbands have died. Their whole family was pretty much disseminated. And now they're going back to her homeland with virtually nothing. They left a famine, which, which if, they, if they were uh, low class before and poverty level, they were below the poverty line then after the famine. And they're in the severe poverty, going to, moving to a whole other area just to find food. I mean, we, we move to other areas to find jobs, to, to start fresh. They literally are moving on foot to find food. And while they're there, uh, everyone, uh, she, everyone recognizes Naomi. She's back, and they're all uh, welcoming her back home. And she says, and she's pretty much telling them the whole time, don't call me Naomi anymore. God has not been good to me. My life is, is sad. My life is miserable. And... At this point, when Ruth is telling her, let, please let me go to the field and glean among the ears, what she is saying is, let me go to the highways and start begging for money. What she was doing is following behind the harvesters and whatever was dropped on the side of, uh, of the harvesters when they're, when they're uh, picking up grains and packing up food. And the Israel culture, the Jewish culture, God mandated for, for the harvesters to not grow through their fields twice that whatever was left on the ground whatever was accidentally dropped to leave for those who are poor and so she's she's going behind the harvesters picking up the leftovers and the scraps of their work to uh to try to get enough food for her and her mother-in-law to eat y'all feel what i'm saying and so when she asked her mother-in-law let me go and beg it was a point where she was deciding to become a beggar and that's why she's asking for permission. She's saying, because everyone knew Naomi and they knew their situation now. And she's saying, let me just go and beg. We're not going to make it like this. And her willingness and determination to go out and do whatever is needed was for her mother-in-law. Remember, Ruth could have started fresh. She could have just, just went back home, found, you know, just started life all over. She still had her own parents, her old family, but she literally followed her mother-in-law to, to, so that she wouldn't have to be a beggar alone. And her determination to go out and find food is, is out of a loyalty so that her mother-in-law wouldn't have to. Y'all see how deep this, this loyalty is really going? And when I think about, um, about how we're seeing in these, these parts of the story, loyalty is, so, is shown by one person's determination for the other person to succeed. And I think that is the, the, almost like the, the prized possession of loyalty is when you see that in action. That's when, when you, you realize lifelong friendships. That's when you realize um, who's, who's truly family, right? That's when you realize uh, how close you and your spouse are is when you start sacrificing of yourself so that the other person can succeed. And this kind of determination fulfills the command to love your neighbor as yourself. 
I mean, that's what the essence of Jesus said. All of the teachings of the prophets can be summed up into this. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And here, this kind of loyalty, this kind of determination is fulfilling the command, love your neighbor as yourself. Go out and work with, uh, with, with grit, with hard work, even though you're not going to get any part of it. What I think is, uh, what is so incredible about this kind of loyalty is that it, it shows so much redemption for another person. It's like the clearest image of Jesus on the cross. He didn't have to die on the cross for us. He didn't have to pay for our sins, but his loyalty to his creation was so deep. His love was so deep that he was willing to pay our price on the cross. And when we see this kind of determination uh, and loyalty, it's truly paying the cost for someone else and taking it upon your own shoulders. It's a sacrificial love. And to really... To really uh, show this kind of loyalty, it takes a really true grit. I, I feel like the word grit is something out of our culture and a generation. The idea of hard work is seems unfair most of the time. <laughs> and when we see the uh, true loyalty, it's a grit that comes about. Um, it requires that the essence of hard work to push through pain to, to that really requires sacrifice. And in order to, to really be willing to give that kind of grittiness, you have to be able to have vision. You have to be able to see past right now into the potential of somebody else. Y'all get what I'm saying? For me, the, the most loyal person I am to is my wife. And when no matter if we're, if we're in a, a scuffle, if we're in a disagreement, uh, there's been there's been times we've been married eight years going on nine. There's been times where we've been in arguments with each other or like passively irritated at each other. But something would happen like uh, she'd get a phone call from a relative or something would happen at work to where she was disrespected. And even though we're fighting, I'll rise up I'm like, oh, no, you can't talk to her like that. Because my loyalty to her has vision more uh, farther than right now. It's past right now. And it shows that uh, when it goes into being loyal to someone that's even like down on their luck, why would you be willing to help somebody that is, in, that is going through a hard time? Because you can see that it's a temporary time period. You can see that it's only right now that they're going through a hard time right now. And loyalty will push you to help them because you see the future for them even if they can't see it. Y'all dig what I'm saying? It, it requires a vision. And it's only when you have vision to see past right now, to see the, what could be, that it births within you the, the willingness to sacrifice, the willingness to show true grit. Determination. You know, and when, when we're talking about this series, I want us to, to examine three things. I want us to, to really reflect on Jesus and his loyalty to us because I feel like he is the example, the epitome of loyalty and all throughout uh, history, all throughout life, throughout scripture. He's the epitome of loyalty. And I want us to look at our loyalty to others. 
And then finally, I want us to reflect on the loyalty of others shown to us. And going into our next point, I want us to talk about loyalty is interested. Loyalty is interested. What this is, what this is really talking about is to be loyal is to be interested, to pay attention. Let's look at a couple verses real quick. In Ruth chapter 2, verse 3 through 5, it says, So she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, May the Lord be with you. And they said to him, May the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant, Who was in charge of the reapers? Whose young woman is this? Another verse, set, a couple verses down says, Then Boaz said to Ruth, Listen carefully, my daughter. Do not go glean another field. Furthermore, do not go on from this one. But join my young women here. Keep your eyes on the field which they reap and go after them. Indeed, I have ordered the servants not to touch you. When you are thirsty, go to the water jars and drink from what the servants draw. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? Boaz replied to her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me, and how you left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and came to a people that you did not previously know. May the Lord reward your work, and may your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So this is really powerful excerpt that we're learning about, that we're reading. And I want us to just slow down and, and understand some really key points that are easy to, to, to go over. Interest, what, to be interested, it, it shows, whenever you're interested in something, it shows that you value something in your heart and your mind. I, I was just sharing before service that I've been building this, this home gym in my, in my garage which has been a, a lot harder than I anticipated, mainly because I have so much junk in there that is like hard to get rid of. <laughs> but it, it's something that uh, I've been interested in, and in it's like it's some uh, that fitness that that it's how I relieve stress, and so it's something I value. It's like like that's my shot at the end of the day. My my shots of tequila are in, uh, going to the gym, um, <laughs> and it's something that I value. And so I'm interested in it. And so I'm looking at all the, these different products, all these different kinds of equipment, because I'm interested. And so whenever someone, uh, whenever someone shows interest to you, to anything, it shows that they value something in their heart or their mind. And, and pretty, I want to say, too, that words are cheap and actions are even, uh, can be deceptive. Words are cheap and even actions can be deceptive. But when someone cares about you, it is generally obvious. It, it's, uh, I once heard that people will, always, people will forget what you say. They'll even forget what you do, but they'll never forget about how you made them feel. Because when you, when you feel that interest, that care, it's something that just sticks with your heart and your soul. And I want us to look at Boaz because... This part where it says, as soon as he gets to his workers, it, the first thing he says is, may, may the Lord be with you. I, I want us to just notice that this is an ordinary day for Boaz. It's just another day. And the first thing that he says is, God bless you. 
it, what I believe is that this shows uh, uh, the character and spirituality of Boaz right at the beginning. His first introduction is a blessing from God to his workers. It shows how he treats his, his, the people under him. It shows that, that this, this um, God that he serves is actually a part of his life towards his first thing that he greets with. Really, um, a person's character is best seen in the ordinary. It's not in the special moments. It, it's not in the times that we have to prepare. It, it's not even on Sundays. It's on the ordinary days of the week that you see a person's character. When you see the ordinary over time, you, you can truly see what a person is. And simply put, if, they, if they're always like that, then that's how they are. It's like if you've ever uh, heard someone say like, oh, they're always like that. Oh, he, he always talks like that. She always says stuff like that. It, what it shows is that that's how that person is because that's how they always act in ordinary times. Y'all dig what I'm saying? I, I feel like a, uh, so many people <laughs> in our culture have this false perception of themselves. We, we, have the, we keep to ourselves the idea of what we put out on Instagram. It's not just a, a misleading idea for others, but it also has manipulated us to believe that we're different than what we really are. I've heard so many people uh, say things like, oh yeah, I'm actually a really hard worker. And then I see them work, I'm like, you're the laziest. <laughs> Good for nothing. <laughs> Joke. But <laughs> it, I've seen people say, oh, I handle stress. Uh, I'm, I always work really good under pressure. And they get like the smallest task given to them and they completely crumble. And, and they even say things like, I usually handle pressure really good. It's like, obviously not because you, you can't handle what's been given to you. This is a small thing. And what, what I'm getting at is not to make anyone feel, feel nervous that I'm talking about them. I'm not. What I'm getting at is that we believe these things about ourselves of really what we want to aspire to be. But because we haven't self-reflected and seen how we really are, we think that we've already arrived at our de destination when we're not there yet. Whenever I've talked with leaders before, um, I generally ask whenever I'm in a mentoring phase or, um, or around young leaders uh, with, for advice or whatever, I, I like to ask, at a scale of 1 to 10, what is your leadership level? And most young leaders respond by saying, 7, 8 probably. And I was like, whoa, like, so you only have two more levels by 22 and you've already arrived at your maximized level of leadership? I'm like, well, I mean, like, the next two levels will be a lot harder to get to than the first five levels. I'm like... That's not how math works. <laughs> it, it's, it's funny that we have this false perception. And, and what I'm getting at is that the ordinary really defines us. The ordinary really defines us. Look how we, how we are day to day, and that's simply how our character is. And it, it goes into, let's look at our spiritual level of life. God is a really big part of my life, but he's only one day out of the week to you. Y'all get what I mean? It, it, it reflects in the ordinary. It reflects in the ordinary. Boaz, we can see in this ordinary moment that he is truly a spiritual man, just from this one moment in the ordinary. And the interest that he put in Ruth, notice that it, he asked specifically about her 
it, I don't know if any of you have had good managers or bad managers, um, but generally managers like to micromanage while not really knowing what's going on. It's like they get focused on one little thing, but don't really know anything that's actually important going on. <laughs> and here, instead of Boaz asking about how much have y'all gathered yet? Who, you know, <laughs> all the, you know, those dumb questions of micromanaging. Instead, he asked something that uh, peculiar and he asked, who's that woman that's with all the others? He noticed someone that was different than the usual people that are, are asking for help. And he shows interest to a beggar in his field. There's other beggars in the field. There's other people in the field. But he noticed someone that hadn't been there before and he asked about them. What it's showing is that he's so interested in not only uh, his work and his field and his people, but he's even interested in the, the, the beggars or the homeless people that are in his, within his touch, within his reach. He probably already, the reason he asked about her is because he already knew the names of all the other people that were begging, all the other people that, that were homeless, all the other people that were nearby and in poverty. He already knew them, and he said, who's this new one? Who's this new girl? See, he showed interest into somebody that no one else cared about. It showed what kind of man he was to where he was loyal to God's people, no matter what kind of class system they were in, no matter what, whatever their finances were, were at the time. He was loyal to God's people, period. And he saw past their situations and could see them for their potential. Y'all feel what I'm saying? He showed interest. And to the point where not only did he get her name and say, okay, well, tell her to, to uh, give, give y'all some yardage, give some feet away. He asked about her life. By the time he made it to Ruth, he knew her whole life story. He, he knew everything about her. And it's because he showed interest in God's people. He showed interest in an ordinary person. And the, the generosity that he showed her was because of what, uh, what she had sown in her life. Notice that he gives like special privilege to her. Says, "Hey, drink from the same the drink from our water jars. Don't you're 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 one of this community now. You can uh, sit with us, eat with us. There's even a part where he offers her all of the food that he had for his workers. He gave to her too, as if she was one of his own workers, even though she's just there <laughs> uh, picking up the extras. And then he goes as far to tell." all of the people, uh, all of his workers to start throw, to not give her a hard time. Don't say anything mean to her. Don't, don't be rude to her and to throw out some extra grains for her to pick up saying, give her some bonuses, give her some extra credits. Don't, uh, don't be stingy. What this shows is it really leads us to our next point, which is loyalty is redemptive. We just got done learning about how someone's really loyal to you. If you're loyal to something, then you pay attention to it. You can get a really clear look at who is loyal to you in your life by the people that actually know things about your life. I, I, I know the family members that, that actually are loyal to me to some extent because they know my kids' names. <laughs> the ones that have no loyalty to me or people that I know and from ministry, from years of being alive that only contact me at random parts of the year that don't know anything about me, don't know what, what job I have, don't know if I had how many kids I have. Those are not people loyal to me, even though when they call me, they act like they're my best friend. 
but they're really just trying to ask me for something. The people that know the details of your life are most likely the people that are loyal to your life. And now, loyalty is redemptive. Loyalty is redemptive. Loyalty is redemptive and will return to you when you need it. Loyalty is redemptive and it will return to you when you need it. Let's read the scriptures and then, and then expound. It says in Ruth chapter 3 verses 1 through 2, Then her mother-in-law Naomi said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may go well for you? Now then, is Boaz not our relative with those young women you, uh, you were? Behold, he is winnowing barley at the threshing floor tonight. And in this exhortation, she tells Ruth how to present herself to Boaz. We'll get into that in just a minute. Another verse says, And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here, that you may eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers, and he served her roasted grain. And she ate and was satisfied and had some left. When she got up to glean, Boaz commanded his servant, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not insult her. Also, you are to purposely slip out for her some grain for the bundles, and leave it so that she may glean, and do not rebuke her. All, all of these, these two scenarios, the, the things I want us to pull out, is that loyal to her mother-in-law, there was being being returned to her. It was really just going out in faith. And what, what we are loyal to now is planting a seed to reap later, whether good or bad. Scripture tells us, uh, be, not, uh, be not confused. You cannot mock God. You will reap what you sow. And this, this applies both good and bad. Loyalty is a quality that God truly blesses and cares about to the point where he honors those who are loyal. The Bible says that God has no favorites, that he's not, he doesn't, um, he has, he's not a respecter of man. He has no obligation to respect us, has no uh, obligation to show anyone favor. But loyalty, when we see it in scripture, God honors loyalty. It's something that he truly does care about. And when we are loyal to others in the time of their need, God will cause us to experience a return of loyalty and victory when we need it. Loyalty, while at first glance, is just a human attribute, something that, will, uh, that when you first get onboarded to a company is one of their core values, and then you never hear about it again. <laughs> it's just a, an, an idea that no one really takes seriously. But... It is actually an incredible spiritual catalyst that produces supernatural results. When we look at one of the most successful kings of the Bible, King David, he showed so much loyalty to King Saul, even when his position didn't deserve it. King Saul was chasing him to kill him, even though he had pledged all of his loyalty to King Saul. And even when God presented an opportunity for David to kill the king after while he was pursuing him to kill him. David did not kill him. He had mercy on him because he was so loyal to his country that he wasn't willing to assassinate the king. Even though it was a, <laughs> it was a, um, 
the worst king that he could they could have at the time, he still wasn't willing to be the one to take him out because he was loyal to the position. And when David became king, he saw so so much of the reaping of loyalty that he's sown. And to the point where when, when he had uh, times of hardship in his kingdom, people rose up with such strong loyalty that made... Uh, that not only brought up the vi- brought about the victory in the end, but it made the struggle so much more bearable because while he was weak, others came alongside him to bear the load too. And this this idea about loyalty it, it is truly redemptive. What we saw is that Ruth gave all that she had to her mother-in-law, not knowing where it was going to take her. And now there's this part here where her mother-in-law says, literally says, shall I not seek security for you after that, after everything you've done for me? And she says, now it's my turn to try to pay you back. And not, you know, in this story, I'll, you know, if you haven't read it already, Boaz and Ruth end up getting married and, and uh, actually become the line, the lineage for King David and even the lineage for Jesus to be born. And so Ruth is a very critical person in the lineage of the Messiah, as well as Boaz. And what we see here is that Naomi helped set them up. She played Cupid for them and helped connect the dots for them um, because of the loyalty that was sown to where her life literally went from nothing to the, the best family that you could be a part of, right? And, and even just like what we saw for Boaz... He is abnormally generous to Ruth. Why? Not because of anything Ruth has done for him, but because of what Ruth has done for Naomi, her mother-in-law. It, it is showing that this loyalty that she showed was, is so redemptive that not only did she redeem Naomi to not have to be a, a lonely widow for the rest of her life, but it redeemed her to where it, it was like paid forward spiritually. To where Boaz is is just blessing her and setting her setting her up for something greater, and when we look at our lives, this is really the 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 challenge point of the message, and that is the decision to be loyal even when it hurts. We talked last week about even when it hurts, how how loyalty is a very tough thing to do, but this the idea about loyalty is that it's so supernatural. It redeems things that you wouldn't even expect needed redemption. Things that you thought were were broken beyond repair, it is able to redeem those things. And I really believe that this this series of loyalty, the 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 number one thing that we should take away is truly that what we sow we will reap. And that loyalty is is something that has to be almost without objective you you can't you can't look at it based off of perspective or how you feel about certain things or certain people loyalty is something that is just has to become innate within you it's where it has to be a part of your character it has to be a part of your your personhood your identity loyalty can't really be a choice sometimes it has to just be who you are it, it really is something that is caught not taught and as much as we're going to expound on it uh, um, next week for our, our final message of it, I really, 
I really want y'all to grasp that this idea about loyalty must be more than that intro HR <laughs> onboarding process. It has to be more than something that you, you know about, that you heard about on Sunday and were reminded of it, but it has to be something that, that you start ingraining in your DNA. Y'all feel what I'm saying? And it, when we do that, I'm telling you, it's a catalyst. It is a catalyst for the supernatural in your life. It is, it, it's something so exponentially greater for your soul that you will not, there's no way you can even anticipate or expect the kind of reward or reaping it will bring about in your life. Loyalty is one of the most important things as a Christian that we should aspire to and, and uh, ingrain in our DNA. Y'all feel what I'm saying? And truly, when the Bible, when Jesus tells us to follow him, when we have this mindset of to be like Jesus, it, it can be a daunting idea at first. Like, how am I going to be uh, perfect and uh, holy and die on the cross? That's pretty daunting. But when we look at certain aspects of him, just like I said at the beginning, the idea that Jesus is the most loyal person in the universe the, the part where the Bible says that, that even while we were yet sinners, even while we were yet enemies of God, Jesus died for us. He was, he was that loyal to you, to where he saw past where we were at. He saw past where, um, where our mistakes were. And he saw, uh, he saw the potential of your life. He saw the worthiness of your life. I think the biggest, the biggest, reserve that we have in our relationship with God it once we actually become a Christian is the feeling of being unworthy we we go through this process to where we start trying to do what's right and then we find out that we're not perfect even after becoming a Christian and we start doubting our worthiness we start doubting our value and God shows us in scripture over and over that his loyalty is past our mistakes and that Jesus, for him to care about the details of your life, it says that he knows every hair on top of your head, which is an incredibly unnecessary detail to know. But he is that interested in you. And what, what did we just learn is that when you show interest, it shows that you value something. He values you to the maximum point of you, can, you to be valued. To know how many eyebrows you have, to know how many hairs you have on your head, he values you to an unbelievable point. And so we must recognize that the lies of being unworthy are not for us to, to hold in our hearts, but to let go. And that way you can really truly live as a free, redeemed Christian instead of in guilt and condemnation. All we have to do is do our best and forget the rest. Jesus is loyal to us, and we have to just live out this life doing our best, forgetting the rest of being loyal back to him. I want us to all bow our heads and close our eyes. And if you're here and you recognize, maybe for the first time, that the loyalty of Jesus is something greater than you initially thought, and maybe... As you're listening to this, you are recognizing that, that you need to make the first step of 
having this relationship with Jesus, of seeing your value in him, rather than feeling like you're a person that would burn down the church if you ever came into it. Rather than seeing yourself like that, but seeing yourself as someone that Jesus values and loves. And you need to enter in the relationship with him for the first time today. With every head bowed and eye closed, I want you to just raise your hand. Amen. And so I want you to just have a moment with Jesus right now. And I want you to just talk to God where you're at. And I want you to just tell him, God, I reject the lies of unworthiness that I've been feeling, that I've been believing. And I want to see myself the way that you see me. You saw me as someone worth dying for on the cross, someone worth redeeming, someone worth being loyal to. And I want to return that kind of love and dedication to you. I want you to be the Lord of my life and the Savior to my soul because I believe. I believe that you paid my price and that you rose from the dead. And I believe that you're the Son of God. And if you're here and maybe just this aspect of loyalty that we're learning about is urging you to, to take deeper steps in your faith. Maybe there's even specific people that are coming to your mind or heart. And God is just speaking to you about deeper levels of loyalty. If that's you, I want you to just raise your hand. Amen. God, I pray that you just finish what you started in your people today. And I pray, God, that you would cause a true redemption to happen on the perspective of loyalty today. That loyalty wouldn't be something easily forgotten from this point forward. And it wouldn't be something that sounds toxic. But that would be something that we know within us is good. And that you honor. And that you would ingrain loyalty in our DNA. And that you would help us to understand and grow deeper in our faith with you. In Jesus' name, amen. With that being said, we're going to enter in a time of worship, but before we do, um, uh, I'm going to sign off online. Thank you guys for being a part. I hope y'all have uh, this was edifying to you. Um, we'll see you later. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.